When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did my research and was like, oh, she's a Mandalorian. And then I read the scripts and I'm like, she's also becoming a Jedi. Okay. There's a lot to unpack here. And then Dave would be like, yeah, you know, you're part of a long line of a Jedi, you know, it's like you. And then your master's a soaker and her master was Anakin and his master was Obi-Wan. And da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, cool. Just, I don't need any more pressure. So... <laughs> What is going on, everyone? I'll tell you what's going on. You're listening to the latest episode of the Dagobah Dispatch, or actually, maybe you're not. Maybe this is the future, and you're digging around the DD archives and have stumbled upon this particular episode. Either way, welcome. We have a good one for you this week, as we have Sabine Wren on the show. That's right, Natasha Liu Bordizo is back with us and ready to get into everything that went down on season one of Ahsoka. So grab your, your spray paint and your hair dye and your lightsaber, and let's get into it. Uh, not only that, but we will also look ahead to all the Star Wars series showing up in 2024, both live action and animated, and tell you what we know and what you need to know about what's coming up on the Disney+. Plus. All that and more coming up on this week. On the Dagobah Dispatch, I am Dalton Ross, here as always with Devin Kogan. What's going on, Devin? Hello, hello. Excited to be be back talking some more Star Wars. That's what we do, right? That's what we do on this show. <laughs> so I had a little bit of a Star Wars weekend because it was our former co-host, Lauren Morgan's birthday. And, you know, I will say, Sammy's not with us today. Uh, uh, and uh, Morgan is with us producing. Thank you, Morgan. For uh, stepping in. Yeah, big shout out. Props. And I think I know why Sammy's not here. You know, Sammy's probably told more, oh, you know, I got some, I got some other work I got to do. I can't make it over there. Can you just cover for me? Let me tell you what happened this weekend. Lauren Morgan had a birthday party. Okay. And got some of the folks, the EW All-Stars coming out to the Dirty Jurors for Lauren's birthday. We had Nick Romano. House of the Dragon podcast host, Nick Romano was there. Former EW All-Star Jessica Dershowitz was in the house. And Sammy came out. It was Sammy's first time ever in the state of New Jersey. Wow. I don't think I knew that. First time ever. So they came out, picked them up all up at the train station, brought them over to Lauren's house. And as you can imagine, a lot of Star Wars paraphernalia in this house. Like a, yes, I'm aware. I got to see the shrine basically is where Lauren would sit when we were doing our, our podcast recordings with her. And it was just like, I mean, wall to wall, just Star Wars insanity. So, uh, of course, Lauren's there and Lauren's husband, Nick, who our listeners are well, uh, well aware of, well familiar Delightful with Nick. Delightful human being. Are there. And of course, Lauren's daughter, Abby, uh, is there. Well, Abby wanted to have, in, in addition to all these Star Wars paraphernalia, and there's like, you know, Grogu balloons, like hanging out, everything. 
Abby wanted there to be lightsaber battles. Yeah, okay? of course. So there had to be, and, th- and there was like a tournament. Like she had filled up like a sign up sheet and like all this stuff. So in yeah, it was great. Girl after my own heart. Yeah. So I battled against EWTV critic Kristen Baldwin, and I just honestly just toyed with her for a long time. Like yeah, yeah. sure. No, I I think Kristen probably kicked her ass. She did. She because she didn't know what she was doing. She never <laughs> clearly never held a lightsaber. She's like, what am I supposed to do? And she's kind of attacking me, and I just humored her for a while. Then I just stabbed her in her in her heart and just killed her. But that was nothing compared to what happened next. We were just in the living room messing around. So next up was Sammy versus Nick Romano. And they took their battle outside. And it was like cold and like windy. So I was like, I kind of like just a bunch of us just kind of stayed inside, but to watch out the window. (laughs) So I couldn't hear what was going on, but I saw what was going on. And all I can say is the scene ended with Nick Romano literally on his knees, Sammy behind him with the lightsaber at his neck. And then they just sliced, <laughs> literally decapitated him. Nick Romano is dead. We need a new host for the House of the Dragon podcast. We need a new movies editor. We need someone to pick up covering The Last of Us when that comes back for another season because Nick Romano was beheaded by Sammy Junio. Sammy said, execute order 66. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it. Do it. That's what's happening. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so sad I missed it. That's what went down this weekend. But I did pop up briefly. I will say uh, Lauren's husband, Nick, very kindly, uh, you know, had me FaceTime in as a surprise, which was was very fun. And so he walked me around Lauren's house and showed me all of their Star Wars memorabilia because I couldn't be there in person. And I was, I will say I was very impressed. I honestly felt bad for you in that moment. Have you guys, I'm sure everyone listening at some point, you've zoomed into a party where you couldn't make it. And like, then they just kind of, at one point, they really just propped the screen up on something on the table. And I was thinking to myself, poor Devin. Like, Devin does not want to sit here and watch us. We're playing some stupid yes. board game. I had game. a good time. We, I stopped by to, to sing happy birthday and watch some cake and, and slice some cake. And then it was a perfect, like, 10-minute interlude. That's the perfect length. When it's like you stay for too long or when the FaceTime goes on for too long, that's not, not yeah. fun. Yeah. But it just gives you flashbacks to like the early days of the pandemic when we were all having like Zoom parties and like sadly drinking alone in our apartments playing Jackbox games, yeah, yeah. which is, I don't know about you, but that's what my friends and I did. Um, so, but no, I had a great time. Well, let's hope Lauren Morgan is, is you know, feeling okay about getting one of her guests literally decapitated at her birthday party. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, let's move on before we get to the big interview with Natasha Leo Bordizo, Sabine Wren this week. Uh we got some housekeeping, then we got some other big Star Wars stuff we want to talk about for 2024, lay out the year for us. But first, housekeeping. Uh, we always say it. We love to hear from you all. We love to connect with you all. You can leave us a voicemail about anything you want. Uh, the number is 657-799-1566. That's 657-799-1566. You can react to anything you heard on this show, any other show, any questions, uh, comments you have, throw them our way and you can be part of the show. Speaking of which... We have a voicemail this week uh, coming up from uh, north of the border, Devin. Let's Ooh. take a listen. Hi, it's Vanessa calling from just outside of Toronto. I just wanted to say, firstly, thank you for all of the great interviews that you've had um, in your most recent episodes. It's been great to hear about the show, um, Ahsoka, and some of the hidden you know, gems and some of these lesser popular um Star Wars media that we've uh, had a chance to see. So I wanted to start off by saying thank you for that. But 
Next, I wanted to say a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about the Empire Strips Back um, and wondering all about the show. What's it like? And I wanted to say I had the I want to call it a privilege of attending one of the opening shows in Toronto last weekend. And let me tell you, it was something else. I went into it not really knowing what to expect. Like, would it be sexy people dancing to Star Wars music? I, I didn't know what it was going to be. It ended up being an absolute ball. Like I said, it was sexy. It was funny. It's not people dancing to Star Wars songs. There are themes of Star Wars there. Um, but there's a couple of not-to-be-missed scenes um, featuring uh, Jabba the Hutt, C-3PO, and Palpatine, of all people, that had me nearly dying laughing. So it's definitely a really fun experience. The dancers are professionals. Like, some of the girls had Bachelors of Fine Arts and danced for the Raptors and the Argos. Uh, squad. So these are professional people up there. The MC was funny. The whole thing was just super fun. So if you're in the Toronto area or one of the cities where the show is coming up, I would really recommend going, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. You'll get a lot of the nuance and the, the funny jokes that are kind of embedded in there. So anyway, I wanted to say, um, give you a, a hot review on that one. Thank you so much again for um, the show. I'm I'm really loving all the episodes. And have a great week. Bye. Uh, love it, Devin. We got a uh, that's a, an on the scene report we got from Vanessa just outside Toronto. I love this so much. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for calling in. This is delightful. You answered all of my questions about <laughs> the Empire Strips Back, but it sounds so fun. It sounds like the kind of nerds that I I love to hang out with. So I I'm very intrigued by the idea of sexy Palpatine. I, yeah, I this, know. It's a, I'm a little horrified and also curious, and but mostly horrified. I think it's that electricity, uh, <laughs> Devin. You know what I mean? Just like when I'm you're zapping stuff like, out of your fingers. I'm you imagining know? like the really long Palpatine robe, but there's like a long slit to like show off yes, some thighs. Like yes. that's that's the vibe I'm thinking. It's so for the any of those of you wondering what the hell are these people talking about? <laughs> this is a deep cut from one of our episodes a while back where I discovered this uh, traveling burlesque show called The Empire Strips Back. And it is one of my life's greatest regrets that this was in New York City like last spring, but I just didn't know about it and so missed it. And now, I don't know, I guess I'm going to have to go to Toronto or Houston or one of these other places where it's appearing. So we talked all about it. Now Vanessa is up in Toronto and 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 went and checked it out for us. Uh, it's interesting that she mentioned that the dancers, the sexy dancers are local. So that makes sense that they essentially, wherever they put the show on, they hire local dancers for like, you know, like you said, the Toronto Raptors, the basketball team or the Argonauts who are the CFL team. Yes, I know my CFL uh, franchises. Uh, I was going to say, you could be yeah. making that up and I would believe Let's you. Let's go. I don't, I don't Let's know about go. sports. So they hire them locally instead of like having them all travel around and uh, and to do their do their thing. Uh, anyway, I uh, I love it. If you're up in Toronto, go check it out. I hope it comes back. Probably more likely to come to you than to me since it was That's just true. I got to keep an eye out to see if anything's coming to LA. In which well, case. if I ever make that LA trip that I keep <laughs> threatening to do and then bailing on, 
I love this that like literally you've never been into the EW office in like 20 years, but you're like, I will make a trip for the Empire Strips Back burlesque show. Well, yeah, I, I actually was sort of like, I actually, I know you're not going to believe this, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out to LA in March. I've got, I've, here's a window, it's a good time to go out. I can make it out there, visit the office, get some FaceTime. And then you guys are like moving offices like a week later. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. We are moving offices. Yeah. I mean, you got to come see the old office, which has been our office for like 30 years. And we're although I'm very excited because my commute is going from about 50 minutes to three minutes. Mm, so that's living the dream in LA. for me as an Angelino, I am thrilled. This is the best news I've received all year. Uh, well, we'd love to receive more news from you all. So give us a call 657-799-1566. Anything you want to talk about hit us up on the voicemail. You can also connect on Spotify. We When we put the, the podcast up there, we do a poll every week. And last week's poll was talking about the big news that came out that they announced that they're doing a Mandalorian and Grogu movie called The Mandalorian and Grogu. And sort of buried at the bottom of that release was also, oh yeah, BT dubs, we're also going to be doing season two of Ahsoka. So we ask you all, which announcement excites you more? The Mandalorian and Grogu movie or season two of Ahsoka? Well, the results are in, Devin. 79% of people said season two of Ahsoka. Wow. Only 20% said Mandalorian and Grogu because, of course, it couldn't equal 100%. Um, so, yeah, look at that. M Mando and Grogu just got stomped by Ahsoka. I will say last week was a particularly Ahsoka-centric episode. We had Amanis Vandi on the on the show. So, you know, some, some Ahsoka fans tuned in, I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. Um, I know I'm I'm very curious about kind of both. I have a lot of questions. So I I, I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm I'm very curious. Well, I think people are just like, we knew we we're going to get more Mandalorian and Grogu story one yeah. place or the other. But the question was, were we going to get more Ahsoka story? We assumed we would, but it wasn't official. Now it's official. So I think that's probably why people are excited. Anyway, go vote in our polls. This week's poll will be the perfect segue into our next topic. We'll make it, which Star Wars show are you most excited for in 2024? Now, to answer that question, you need to know what Star Wars shows are coming in 2024. We're going to give you our best guess here in terms of what's coming up. There's some live action, there's some animated, and we'll talk about the different shows coming up just to give you an idea of what to expect over the next 12 months, hopefully. Uh, and then we'll get to our interview with uh, Natasha Leo Bordizo. All right, so let's start with live action, uh, Devin. Uh, the Acolyte. The Acolyte is coming this year at some point. Uh, this is the show that's uh, being run by Leslie Headland of Poker Face. Uh, it's got a great cast, everyone from Amanda Stenberg to Lee Jung Jae from Squid Game, Manny Jacinto, Bortles, uh, Jody Turner-Smith is in there, um, Carrie Ann Moss. So it's basically, this is the High Republic show. So it takes place about roughly 100 years before A New Hope, we'll call it. Uh, somewhere around there. And it's basically the end of the High Republic. And it's sort of focusing on a lot of the darker side characters, Siths and Sith and villains. And I was able to see like, I don't know, two and a half minutes that they showed at their panel in Star Wars Celebration. They didn't release it out of the room. And it looks awesome. It looks so good. It looks so good. And uh, so I'm super excited, but Devin, what do you uh, think about the accolade and what are your uh, you know thoughts and feelings as we hopefully get this sooner rather than later? 
we are starting hot right out of the gate because this is probably the Star Wars project I am the most excited for. Um, I love Leslie Headland, who did Russian Doll. Um, I'm really curious. It's a great cast. I am the world's number one Manny Jacinto stan. I'm <laughs> still mad that he got cut out of Top Gun. I'm thrilled to see him get up to some fun things in The Acolyte. Um, and I, I just love the idea of kind of exploring a different time period. We haven't seen much like high republic certainly not in live action like on the on the screen and i think one of my biggest issues with sort of like the star wars universe recently is kind of everything kind of keeps bumping into each other and a lot of that's by design you know the the mandoverse with soka and book of boba fett they're all sort of concurrent stories kind of all you know with characters popping up from each of them you know we've seen in things like ahsoka we've seen you know references to General Organa and cameos by C-3PO. I kind of like the idea of something that's set literally, you know, way, way back in the past and kind of not having to those, those sort of cameos to lean on. I'm really excited to see sort of what a self-contained story could look like. Um, also, it just looks dope. It, I'm, I'm into it. More lightsabers, more Jedi. Sign me up. I mean, there's a Wookiee Jedi. So yes. right, right there, you got to get excited for Kilnaka, and um, and it's you know, play, I, he's played by Jonas Suatamo, right? Correct. Yes, uh, who I love. He's I'm great with him. So we spoke to the pretty much the entire cast, except for Carrie Ann Moss, out at Star Wars Celebration, and those are on I think maybe three different podcasts we did over the summer. So you can go in our archives; you can hear all from the cast. It looks great. Uh, the fighting style, very martial arts um, inspired. And I was talking to Manny. I don't think this was on the pod. I think this is when I was just sort of chatting and I was you know, talking about how, how much I love the lightsaber battle in the Phantom Menace, as you know, I do Devin. And he's basically said like, that was basically the bar for us. Like that, like that was the one that we wanted to clear. Like that was sort of the inspiration for these battles was like, how cool is that? Let's do a lot more of it. And so Hopefully that's what we're going to see uh, see in this show. I, I'm, I'm juiced about the cast. I'm juiced about Leslie Headland running it, and I, my only concern is that I'm getting too excited. Right? Like that's, I know. that's my only concern is that I've seen like two minutes. Of, I saw a trailer. There have been great trailers for terrible movies, right? Like that's how many true. times you see an awesome trailer in the movies? Like uh. so, you know, maybe this show will be a, a huge womp womp, but I, I I don't think it will be. <laughs> I'm I'm really hyped. This is this is the one I'm I'm most excited for. Uh, all right, so here's the other big live action show coming in 2024 because Andor was supposed to come this year, and I don't think that's coming. That's that's off the release schedule for 2024, Devin. That's looking like a 2025 thing. Blame it on the strike, whatever reason. Uh, it's not coming out this year unless something changes. Well, Diego Luna was at the Emmys this past week, um, which I attended and covered for EW. And he gave a red carpet interview saying that after the Emmys, he's going back and he's got one week left of filming on Andor. Um, so I think because Tony Gilroy is such a huge part of that show and him not being able to be on set because of the writer strikes, I think it makes, I, I'd rather they take their time and get it right. Um, I'm willing to wait for a little bit for, for more Andor just because I love, I love that first season so much. Um, so I'm willing to wait as disappointed as I am, but, um, cause selfishly I want it now. I want immediate gratification. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really excited for Andor season two. Here's the one that's mysterious and it's skeleton crew. Very mysterious. This show was supposed to come out last year, basically fall 2024. And it got kind of quietly 
taken off the release schedule. Excuse me, fall 2023, supposed to come out. Then it sort of disappeared off the release schedule. Now, why was that? Was it because the strike was happening and you know, they were kind of forced into at that point to Ahsoka airing? And, you know, as you all know, we couldn't talk to the cast during the show. We talked to them before the show and we're now talking to them after the show and after the strike. But we couldn't talk to them during. So maybe they didn't want to, you know, do the same thing with Skeleton Crew. Maybe that's why it was. Maybe there was just a lot of work that had to be done on it. I, I don't know what's going on. But this is the one where it's basically their Stranger Things, you know, or their Amblin, you know, their, you know, uh, E.T. or whatever. It's it's basically four kids who are on this adventure. They're lost in the galaxy. Um, and Jude Law is playing some sort of, looks like a Jedi, some sort of force user. We Again, I saw some footage in the room. He's floating an object. So... He looks like he's in Jedi robes, but he's some sort of force user. And uh, it's it's Jude Law. It's a, it's a bunch of kids. Uh, Carrie Condon, I guess, is in it from Better Call Saul and uh, and uh, lots of other stuff. But anyway, so this, I feel, could be great, like Stranger Things, right? Like could capture the imagination, hit on all ages, be a huge hit, or could not. It's tricky what they're trying to navigate. Devin, how do you do something with this many young kids and make it appeal to all ages? Obviously, Stranger Things did that. That is not always the case. Yeah, this is one I'm really curious about. Because like you said, we don't know that much about it. I mean, we know sort of the basic kind of format. Um, it's created by John Watts and Christopher Ford, who did all the Spider-Man Homecoming trilogy um, with, with Tom Holland, which I really enjoy. Um, and they've got a really good list of people um like directing yes. episodes they've got daniel kwan and Dan daniel Scheinert, the daniels who just won the oscar for everything everywhere all at once like david lowry they've got bryce dallas howard coming back after doing a bunch of stuff for the mandalorian like it's a good list lee of isaac directors. chung who's amazing lee, isaac chung, uh, lee yeah. isaac chung huge huge hit and so like i'm i'm really really curious I, all those names get kind of make my ears perk up and, and go ooh, this could be really cool um we know that it's sort of set during the same post uh, post Return of the Jedi uh, sort of time period as like the Mandalorian and, and Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka. Um, I, I just don't really know what to expect with this one. I think you and I have talked about this before, you know, focusing on like young child actors um, can either be really good or really bad, depending on, you know, the, the child actor. Um, we don't want to want to Ewok Adventures uh kind of situation where I think Dalton was ready to throttle a small child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I listen, hopeful Jude Law's great. The, the Love Jude Law. Christopher Ford and John Watts, awesome. These directors great. Not saying it can't be done, not saying it can't be be amazing. It's just um you know, uh, it it could go wrong. <laughs> it's 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 tough. It's a tough nut to crack what what they're doing. When it when it, when it works, it's awesome. When it works, it's so good. It, but it's it's the degree of difficulty on this one. Like if you're like a diver or something, this is like you know I don't know what was it. Uh, uh, he's doing in that movie Back to School, Ronnie Dangerfield, the Triple Lindy. I mean, that's what I feel like they're trying to do here is the Triple Lindy. Great movie, Back to School, <laughs> by the way. Shout out to that one. Uh, all right, so that's it for live action as of now, uh, as far as we know. I can't imagine anything else is going to appear twenty twenty four at this point. So then that brings us into animated. Now, the big one, obviously, will be The Bad Batch. Um, season three uh, is allegedly coming this year. We don't know how many episodes. 
I believe it was the, uh, I'm trying to remember how much it was episode last year. I think uh, 16. Yeah. 16 episodes for the first two seasons. So hopefully around that, that amount, if this is the last season, this is the last season. Um, they showed a teaser celebration. Fennec Shand will be back. Wolf will be back this season. Allegedly the character of tech is dead. Spoiler alert. I kind of don't believe it because characters always come back, but we'll see. Uh, I really like this show. If you're a Clone Wars fan, this is the closest thing you got uh, these days. And so I, they've done some really interesting things, Devin, as I've spoken about on this show, talking about the clones dealing with being decommissioned. If you like, as we mentioned, as if you like that live action stuff and you're wondering what happened to the clones, we have these movies, it's all clones. Now the, these later movies, it's all stormtroopers. Why'd they get rid of the clones and what happened to them? Well, they're telling that story on the Bad Batch. So I'm excited to see more of that play out in season three. Yeah, I'm really curious to kind of see, especially like you said, because this is the final season, how they kind of wrap up this storyline. And, you know, I'm I'm just really curious. I've been really charmed by this show and I'm curious to see where it goes next. Uh, Hopefully, I believe this year we might be getting more of Tales of the Jedi. These are these short episodes. I think they did, I want to say they did six of them in season one and like three of them were Ahsoka stories and three of them were Count Dooku stories. And uh, I I don't know when it's coming. I don't know what it's going to be. Like, are they going to do more Ahsoka and Count Dooku? Are they going to take some other characters? Are they going to spread it out? No one seems to know, but it was good. And it was, uh, you know, easy to watch. It was like, each one was, I don't even remember. I feel like 10 minutes long or something. Each, each installment really quick, Devin. So it was a nice, easily digestible hits. And I especially like the Dooku stuff. I mean, how often do we get to see Dooku as a Jedi? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was really impressed by like the voice cast on season one was so great. You know, you obviously had like a lot of the the major players back like Matt Lanter and Ashley Eckstein from um, the uh, from Clone Wars. But then you also had Liam Neeson came back. One of my favorites was Bryce Dallas Howard voicing Yaddle. Incredible. Mm-hmm. We love we love some Yaddle re- representation. We do. Um, so I would love to see that that kind of, you know, uh, I, I'd be curious to see who they can get back for for season two. Yeah, I, and I'll be curious to see what characters they're covering. I hope they kind of do what they did with Dooku. Take a character, give us an era we haven't seen of that person, especially if they're in a very different place and a very different person. I thought that was very cool. More um, Yaddle. Or Yaddle. Just get, Just seriously. Forever. Full season of Yaddle. Let's do this. <laughs> Instead of Tales of the Jedi, it's Tales of Yaddle. Yeah. Uh, a Yaddle-Dooku battle again would be great. That was the highlight of uh, season one of that. Absolutely. All right. Um, the last show, I I can't really tell you anything about Young Jedi Adventures. I'm just going to come clean. This is not my thing. This is where we need Lauren Morgan still on this podcast, do our official Young Jedi Adventures report. This is basically the show that's for preschoolers. Um, it's in the High Republic. Uh, they had, The first season was 25 episodes, but they only put 19 out, Devin. So apparently the final six are going to be out this year at some time. And I know you are anxiously awaiting on the edge of your seat for these episodes. Oh, huge fan, huge fan. No, this is this is a this is a blind spot for me, but admittedly we are not the target audience for no. for Young Jedi Adventures, but I've heard it's delightful. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, it's for preschoolers. Yeah. Uh the only thing I'll say that I'm going to give a shout out to, as you know, I'm working my way through Jedi Survivor right now. There is a big video game coming out this year, Star Wars Outlaws. Uh this is sort of their open world um console game coming out 
It takes place between Empire and Return of the Jedi. It's coming from Ubisoft and Massive Entertainment. And essentially, uh, it's when like bounty hunters are all over the place. And you play this sort of gun for hire and you get hired by the crime syndicates to do various jobs and you can take on these missions. You can work for Job of the Hut and other people. Um, and so I, I will be there. I will be playing this game now that I have my PS5 and now that I'm ignoring my wife 24 7 as Cal Kestis, <laughs> now I can uh, ignore her as some guy named Kay Vess, who's uh, the, 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 the main character in Star Wars Outlaws. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm super hyped for this. This I don't know very much about it, but I love the. The setting sounds great, sort of post empire. I'm, I'm totally on board. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's what's coming out on screen uh, this year. Uh, maybe the, there could be changes to this. Like again, sometimes things are happening; they get pushed back. Sometimes they make surprise announcements. But that's sort of what you have to look forward to coming up this year uh, in Star Wars content. All right. Anything you want to say about your interview we're about to hear with Natasha Leo Bordizzo? No, just that it was lovely to actually get to talk to her now that the show is out and talk about some of those those great Sabine moments. Um, she's a great interview, and, and I'm excited for you guys all to take a listen. All right. Well, Natasha, Leo Bordizzo joined Devin, and they did. They talked about everything that went down in season one of Ahsoka. That conversation coming up for you right after this super quick break. so much Natasha for taking time out of your day to chat with me about yeah. Ahsoka um, we got to talk uh, before the show came out so it's exciting to get to talk about it now that it's out in the world what's it been like for you these past couple weeks now that it's actually like people have actually gotten to see it mm -hmm. um, I had my first comic con just the other weekend and and it was just I think I really needed that you know it was, it was so strange in the strike to not be able to acknowledge anyone and and thank the fans and like interact. So um, I was really happy to finally like meet people face to face and see the actual humans that we're making this show for. And then, yeah, beyond that, it's been really great to be able to talk about the plot points and all the details of the show. And um, it was a very long wait to have to keep it under wraps, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a silver lining of the show getting to be its own little beacon of, of its own story that stood out there on its own. So yeah, I see both sides of it. I love that. Yeah. Did you get to see any like Sabine cosplayers or like get to geek out with people in person? I did. I saw there was so many. Um uh it's just so fun. Like I I think that especially because of the strike, like stuff like that was so special to get to meet people. And I I definitely want to do more of them. It's just so fun. Like the culture of dressing up and all coming together with other fans of a franchise and getting to meet them and talk to them about it. It's just so fun. I love that. And yeah, before the show aired, you got to talk a lot about, you know, playing Sabine Wren and kind of diving into her history. But, you know, once the show airs, we learn that, you know, you get to follow Sabine on this awesome journey of like training to become a Jedi. What was your reaction when you learned that, like, not only are you joining the Star Wars universe, but you get to train as a Jedi and have a lightsaber? <laughs> Um, there were several like stages of disbelief, I think, um, <laughs> that went along with, cause I was cast, I think I already said this, uh, but I was cast like a year before we started filming. So initially it was kind of like, 
a lot of confusion and curiosity because it was like a confidential John Favreau or Dave Filoni project. Obviously, that suggested it, it would be in the Star Wars universe, but still didn't know. And then I finally met them months later after I'd been offered the role for them to explain what the role was. And then I did my research and was like, oh, she's a Mandalorian. And then I read the scripts and I'm like, she's also becoming a Jedi. Okay, there's... <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. And then Dave would be like, yeah, you know, you're part of a long line of a Jedi, you know, it's like you, and then your master's a soaker and her master was Anakin and his master was Obi-Wan and da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, cool. Just, I don't need any more pressure. So <laughs> um, it it's just, it's the coolest thing ever. I just never thought that when you get an offer for something in a universe like this, you don't know if you're going to have a mask on the whole time or if you're going to be an alien that's like, unrecognizable as a human. And not only was I the the coolest journey, Sabine got to be on the coolest journey ever, but like she is the rarest of Mando Jedis that exists. So um, I don't know, it just can't get cooler. Absolutely. And yeah, I love that sort of like push-pull relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine and how there's like shades of, I just spoke to Rosario Dawson and she talked about like how there's shades of Ahsoka and Anakin kind of in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Tell me mm -hmm. a little bit about working with Rosario and, and kind of what interested you about that dynamic. Well, my dynamic with Rosario could not be more different in person <laughs> than it is on screen. I mean, we're just goofing around the whole day and she's the happiest, most positive spiritual person I've ever worked with maybe. And just a complete joy to be around. But of course, Ahsoka and Sabine have dealt with a lot of um, tragedy and, and these challenges to their attempted master apprentice relationship from years back that is now being rekindled. So um, it was sometimes challenging, honestly, to go from like goofing off and talking about what Kate, what snack catering just brought out to like this deeply resentful <laughs> dynamic that begins in the show. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of like feedback about how um, Sabine, you know, has made some wrong choices and she definitely is a very polarizing character for some, but it was really, really fun to be able to come from such a dark place and show the the arc, you know, of like where that's going. Um, and I think the show wouldn't have had as much like of a journey without starting with their dynamic being so tense and needing each other, but not really wanting to need each other. Um, and then where you end up in the final scene where I trust Ahsoka completely when she says that this is just where we're meant to be. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of the arc of it all. I love that. And yeah, I got to speak to Dave Filoni and he talked about how he was really interested in, you know, kind of showing a Jedi who has to work at training and it doesn't like tapping into the force doesn't come super easily for her. That's something I feel like we haven't necessarily seen a lot of in Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. Ironically, I feel like there's been some, also some feedback that like the force was too easy for Sabine. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I think that um the concept of the force being this difficult to attain but attainable like state of being um that more people could access with 
hard work and dedication, I think is a really honorable sort of concept that feels very Dave, <laughs> um, as well as, you know, the history of the fact that like, I think George Lucas had originally also um, said that, but yeah, it's, to me, it's all just metaphorical with how I was relating it to life. Um, Sabine's journey of trying to achieve the force was very much for me, like any of us trying to achieve a presence, a Zen, a peace an acceptance, you know, those are all like synonymous kind of things. So it was very easy to live a life parallel to that in what you're trying to always ground yourself with in life. You know, it's not so dissimilar. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think it's awesome that, that it was a journey unlike the others where you get to see her fail and you get to see again and again, mind you. And, um, she's not always like cool and finishing the fight in a cool way. And, you know, like having the last word that's just, it's just messy. And, and then finally the stakes are so high and she is able to harness it in the time she needed to most. Switching gears, I have to ask about working with the loaf cat. I know it was like the puppet, like on set. Tell me, what was it like to, you know, share the screen with this incredibly adorable puppet? It's just exactly what you'd think it would be. I mean, there were many, many sighs on set of like, oh, so cute. Um, I remember just laughing so hard at the loaf cat's legs. Um, constantly just like little turkey legs at the end of this cat. Um, uh, it was really, it's just so, I just feel so, so lucky as an actor to get to work with practical effects that are that realistic. There is no acting involved. It is just reacting to this amazing, um, construction in front of you. Like it feels real. Yes. There are five guys around it like helping, you know, it move and using remotes. But once you're in the scene from action to cut, like this creature feels so alive. And the fact that they really stuck with that kind of method instead of, you know, a completely visual effects kind of situation, I think adds so much to the magic of these stories. And you can really feel that when you're watching it on screen, like even the way the light hits and, and the reactions that we organically have versus like pretending to have them and then inserting them in later, you know? So it's just, again, like working with all the creatures and droids of Star Wars is like the most interactive I've ever felt as an actor. It's just so much fun. Yeah. Cause I, I love all the scenes with Sabine and, and the Nodi the, the, and a lot of that was like practical effects and puppetry. It, right? Yeah. I mean, I think they added like a few background ones in the final product, but like that was all, that was all there. And it was just, is so much you just don't know how the take's going to go every time you're like living in it because it's alive and and you are able to play and and it's not like a scripted choreographed piece you have this like live practical effect that you're working with so the nodi was so cute <laughs> it's just I might have freaked out over the Nodi even more than my Loth Cat, to be honest. <laughs> they're like pretty cool they're like it's a totally new Star Wars species we've yeah, never seen before yeah. Yeah. And I had to be like mean to them at first and threaten one of them with my blaster. And I was like, this is, I can't, this is difficult. Sabine's not this cruel, surely. They're too adorable. You can't, you can't be mean to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I specifically wanted to ask about um, some of the fight scenes, you know, specifically, I love, love, love the lightsaber battle between you and Shin of Ana Sakno. What do you remember most about kind of training and, and choreographing, you know, kind of that 
that sequence with her? Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, if my my fights with Ivana were also my favorite of the show, I think. And um, I, th- I just love that we're both these apprentices who, you know, there's not like a clear um, good versus evil, light versus dark kind of thing going on. We're both on our own journeys that are very unique and fighting our own demons. Um, so when they come together like that, it is really interesting. And there seems to be this, this just this magnetic thing between them that is beyond like just hate. It's also like maybe they're projecting onto each other. Maybe they're fighting their own demons through each other. Maybe they see a mirror of themselves in some ways. I'm not sure, but there really was this very interesting um, dynamic in our fight specifically. And, you know, Ivana had never trained with a sword before, I believe. And, um, she was a little more new to stunts and I have done a lot of stunt stuff, but Sabine is meant to be obviously like really not great, (laughs) especially at the start with a saber. So it was very interesting working that dynamic in where like, you know, Ivana needed to be much better than me on screen, which I think we totally achieved. Um, And so we worked a lot on just achieving that because our real life sort of skill levels were maybe a little different. So we, we worked a lot on that growth of like it being so clear that every strike Ivana takes, um, I can't, you know, Sabine is unable to retaliate. Sabine's stumbling backwards. She's less powerful. She's, her form is not good. And then through the arc of the show, um, very subtly kind of improving all that as the story progresses and as she gets closer with the force. So there was a lot of thought into the specific choreography. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people probably watched the first fight with Shin and Sabine and they're like, oh, Sabine needs to go back and train. And I'm like, yeah, that was, that was the goal. You know, that was definitely the whole point. Like she's picked up that Ezra's saber from that box for the first time in a long time she has not been training (laughs) yeah and yeah I love though that Sabine has like such a unique fight style like she gets a little bit of that Mandalorian element you see her Mm -hmm. using blasters and sabers what was fun for you about kind of getting to figure out this almost like new form of fighting that we haven't really seen a lot of yeah it's it, it was honestly like very um interesting to think about the samurai-esque kind of structure of the the Jedi training in Ahsoka and then the very Western cowboy Mandalorian kind of body language. Um, and combining them was really fun. Ultimately, I think that as Sabine's on her journey to um, become a more skilled Jedi, there is still a messiness and a kind of roughness around like her fights that I quite like right now, but I would want to work on and make them cleaner and more sleek as she does get more skilled. But I think it's so fun that where she's at in her journey right now is this apprentice who is coming back from a long hiatus and of hiding and, and mourning and sort of waiting um, is that she is very messy and she's sort of pulling the blaster out and then kind of taking a lot of rough hits. And there's a lot of um, just unpredictability to that. So I think the choreography kind of, again, like reflects, where she's at in her journey and as she gets more disciplined so would her form as you can see there's probably like a big difference with Ahsoka's form in that she is so much more clean cut and disciplined and like straight lined so um yeah it's all worked into the story and I I think the biggest moment of change was actually when Sabine has to take down all these bandits in episode six where it's like 
eight or nine of them and it is so messy and like that was a really rough fight in real life too <laughs> you know like when there's like hand to hand combat there's it's very hard to fake it with two swords you can just hit the swords against each other as hard as you can like we broke a bunch of swords but when it's like hand to hand you're like at, at a certain point you're like in the fight on day on that day on set i was like you know what just hit me it's fine <laughs> like just <laughs> Faking it is not looking good. So just, just hit me. It's fine. I've got some, I've got some fake armor on. It'll be fine. Like it's going to protect me somewhat. Um, so we just really got rough with that. And I think Sabine in that moment um, tries to fight the way she's used to. And then in a moment of desperation has to fight in the way that she's trying to learn how to. And um, so that felt like a switch for me of her starting to maybe climb the staircase slowly towards like a more skilled Jedi. Yeah. That's cool to kind of think about like the evolving fight style and how it relates to character and story. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Nothing is left. No stone is left unturned in terms of every moment like that. Like other action stuff I've done definitely is more like, how do you make this look cool? Um, Whereas Ahsoka and working with Dave was like, why are they doing this? And to the point of like every movement, you know, who has the upper hand in that part of the fight and then who has the upper hand at the end of the fight, like why are they taking so long to re-enter the fight? Um, It's all so intentional. And I think that really pays off actually. And it was the first project of mine that I've watched where I'm like, oh, the action is really part of the storytelling in like a very real way. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. So I'm curious, kind of thinking about the show overall, now that it's out in the world and you can talk about it, what was like the scene or the day on set where you geeked out the hardest? Oh my God. Um, oh, so I think probably, honestly, like this is going to sound weird because it's the very end of the show when you'd think I'd be like, I, I'm like, I get it, you know? But um, at the very final scene, um, when I'm looking and I see Anakin in the distance and then Ahsoka is like right next to me, it just felt very iconic and like generational. And um, I don't know, you can't beat like seeing a vision of Anakin Skywalker in the distance. <laughs> um, so as as um, that scene is so like up for interpretation, um, I love that quality of it as well because Dave is really is really open to people interpreting things however they do. Um, so definitely that day, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's pretty magical to be like I'm on set of Star Wars with Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, like having <laughs> this really emotional moment. And then it's like their story is in the air, and then our me and Ahsoka's story is right here happening, and it was just very like ah oh, the the times. <laughs> the times are changing and like you know um yeah I I don't know how to explain it it was just kind of that reaching back into the originals and the films and then um the bloodline that kind of went with all the Jedi so yeah that's pretty magical yeah. all right cool well thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with oh, me this has oh, been so much fun yeah. yeah this is oh my god it felt like it was like five minutes so <laughs> I can talk about this for hours, honestly. I mean, I imagine like it, getting to talk about Star Wars is there's there's worse things. It's I just every time an interview ends, I'm like, oh, that's it. I, I could say so much more. There's so much more to talk about. <laughs> you could just never end, really. Exactly. Well, thank you for taking the time, and um, hopefully, I'll get to talk to you again soon. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank cool. you. 
All right, our thanks to Natasha Leo Bordizzo for joining us this week, and we appreciate you joining us as well. We do what we can to bring you all these big interviews, and all we ask for in return is that you please follow the podcast and write us a review, and also tell your friends about it. We love word of mouth. It's awesome. You can also leave us a voicemail message at any time about anything you want. Just call us and say what you got to say at 657-799-1566, and you can be part of the show. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.